It seems that one of the main focuses of our education system and of parenting today in the modern world is all about identity. There is a massive focus on children thinking about, obsessing over and defining and projecting and expressing their identity. It's the conversations around who you really are, your authentic self, your true self, being who you are or discovering who you are. And I think at the core of these conversations lies a kernel of truth, but also a lot of confusion. And most of all, a misdirection of our precious time, energy, and resources. Let's talk about identity. I'm Avital. This is HiFam. Everywhere you look today, there's a conversation around identity. We see it in the way people are presenting themselves, in the topics that they're talking about on social media, particularly amongst teens and college students in their TikTok accounts or their Instagram. We see it in the way that we need to self-identify and explain who we are with all sorts of markers, whether they're pronouns or a bio, whether it's even just a headshot that we need to show ourselves and basically brand ourselves on social media. And to be honest, I think this is one of the causes of the extreme focus on identity in today's day and age. It's the fact that we all have a kind of forward-facing brand, right? We all have some kind of audience. We are all now some kind of influencer just by virtue of the fact that we exist on a social media platform. Even if I'm a college student without social media, I still need to present myself in digital form, in a flattened avatar version of myself on, say, the college you know, network. Even just putting together a resume, as one had to do back in the 90s or 70s or 50s, uh, is a form of self-branding. It's a form of packaging up myself, highlighting the bits that I most want to focus on, and bringing it out into the world. But whereas a resume was always focused on my skills and achievements, on my educational accolades and on my experience... Today, the focus on identity is a focus on something far more personal and inborn, many cases, right? It's often a focus on my immutable characteristics and on the circumstance of my birth, which is something that I think is setting our children up for a huge array of cognitive, you know, fallacies and skewed thinking and really disempowering mindsets. I'm going to go into this and explain why I think this is so. But first, I just want to say I have spoken to kids in school from kindergarten all the way up through college. And I'm seeing that this is true at every level of education. There is a focus on your identity, right? Whether it's your ethnicity, your sexuality. Um, those are the main ones that people focus on when they talk about identity. Uh, but then it could be uh, other things as well, such as your preferences, uh, your favorites, your favorite things, your favorite food, your favorite color, right? This is what we're used to talking about with kids at earlier ages. Um, it could be your socioeconomic status. Um, it could be your religion. It's different markers that say who you are. So why do I think this obsession with identity is misguided? 
Why do I think it's not a great idea for our kids and something that we should move our children away from in our conversations with them? Because at first blush, it seems like a great idea. Discover who you are, explore who you are. That's what life is about, getting to know yourself, loving yourself, right? It's kind of got those roots in the self-esteem movement, this uh, interest as a special subject of fascination in myself, right? As though the actual act and the time and the investment and the thought that I put towards shaping my concept of myself, my self-concept, is a worthwhile pursuit in and of itself. This endeavor is healthy and good and a useful use of my time in and of itself. We've really come to that place where spending time on myself, with myself, self-care, self-love, self-esteem, self-knowledge, self-acceptance, self-understanding, self-identification. There's a huge emphasis on our self, on this kind of character that is built up from how I perceive myself and what I know to be true about myself and what I decide about myself. And that character becomes the main focus of my life. And at first blush, you might think, yeah, well, we're all here for a limited amount of time. Avital, life is precious. My child, I, everybody else should be trying to understand themselves, trying to think about themselves. And the truth is that I think that was a bit of an experiment. I don't think that's what's been natural to us throughout history. Um, I don't think that's necessarily how we evolved or how culture has always been. Um, and I think that, you know, if if you kind of say, well, it started with the self-esteem movement um, and now it's in the self-ID movement, right? The movement to self-identify as ev- however I want because what I feel on the inside is more relevant and takes precedence over what is factually correct on the outside. I think these movements are experimental. And what I'm seeing from where I stand they seem like they are massively failing as experiments. They are not working. If the goal is, you know, the pursuit of happiness, joy, uh, a meaningful life, connection with others, health, well-being, then they're failing. They're leading to the opposite of well-being. They're leading towards mental collapse. Uh, They are at least, at the very least, correlated with a very high rise in depression and anxiety and self-harm. I think it's causational. I think there's enough data to support that, but they're certainly correlated. So I want to break this down so that I can really explain the kind of nitty gritty inner workings of why I think a focus on identity uh, and self-ID in particular in the sense of constantly defining myself and that, you know, demanding and expecting that other people define me as I define myself and a a de-linking, right, an unlinking uh, between what are simple biological facts about me, chronological facts about me, uh, what other people can see with their own eyes, what are simple facts of my circumstance, uh, my birth circumstance, delinking that with my own perception, this avatar that I'm building of myself, how I want other people to see me, who I want them to think of me as. I think that in particular is incredibly unhealthy. And so is the focus on self-esteem. I know self-love is a very popular idea. I, I think even that, I, 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 this is controversial to say, I'm aware, but I think even self-love is not a great focus for people. I think it's a byproduct of other things. And I think all of this turning inward is not good. So before I go into breaking down exactly why I think the the focus on identity is bad, I'll just say that I think some of it is good, right? Like I said in the beginning, there's always a kernel of truth. And I think the kernel of truth here is the kernel of truth that says, understanding yourself on a basic level, understanding who you are, where you come from, what your body is capable of, what your brain is capable of, 
what your personality is built up of, right? Just understanding your birth circumstance, what your, you know, genes are likely to do. Like, for example, if there's a tendency towards breast cancer in my family, well, it's a really good idea that I know that about myself. That's going to be really useful information. It's not enough to just linger there. It's not enough to just uh, identify as someone who has breast cancer in her family. It's not useful to just stay with that self-knowledge. It's useful because I can do something with that, right? I can take preventative measures and that self-knowledge is really, really good. If I know that there are certain things that I carry, certain traumas, I can work to heal them. If I know that there is a certain personality that I have, if I really understand my big five personality traits, right? How neurotic am I? How extroverted am I? You know, how conscientious am I? These things are useful uh, because I can then communicate that well to my partner. I can then offset my weaknesses and strengthen my strengths. Uh, I can work on building a life that makes sense with my personality. Understanding my preferences is key, right? We all need to understand what we want, who we're attracted to, what kind of life we're looking for. Uh, understanding my values. You know, there's a huge value to some self-reflection and self-understanding. That's why I think there is a place for, say, therapy, right? Where the goal of the therapy is self-understanding. I think my problem is when we stay there, when we get stuck there, and we when we make that the end game, as though the whole pu- purpose of life is self-understanding, uh, is, uh, you know, constructing this identity and getting it and understanding it and getting everyone else to understand it and affirm it. I think that is not a useful path forward. Why? Well, first of all, identity is a complex term and people mean different things when they say identity, but let's say at least 50% of your identity is birth circumstance. It's immutable. It's unchangeable. It's just fact, right? I mean, we're all born at a certain time, in a certain place, with a certain mix of ethnicity, with a certain sex, with a certain genes that are going to lead to our height, for example, um, at a certain time. So that determines our age in a certain family and birth order um, to a certain socioeconomic uh, status. We are born uh, speaking certain language or languages in our homes or in our schools uh, with a particular nationality with the genes that we are born into, right? These are all immutable facts of our birth. They are, uh, you could call them pure luck or random or, or, you know, uh, just maybe maybe by design, maybe God-given, depending on your um, viewpoint. But they're certainly out of our control. None of us choose these things. Uh, None of us can do anything about them, right? Uh, They, they, most of them are not going to change over time. I mean, maybe we're going to, change our socioeconomic status. Maybe we're going to learn another language, but we can't change the facts of our birth. And so in many regards, I tend to think that the facts of your birth are just facts about you, but there's no special status to those facts, right? And I think in many ways, we should kind of treat them as the least interesting thing about us, right? Like, sure, it's interesting, you know, uh, where you were born, your sex, your your ethnicity. Okay, those are those are cool tidbits of trivia about you, and of course they're going to influence how you grow up and how you live and and your viewpoint and your worldview and your values. Sure, like yeah, yeah, yeah. They they definitely form your identity, absolutely. But also, you have no say in them. You have no control over them, and so a constant kind of waving of the flag of these things, I think, is really less interesting in forming 
our identities. Like our identities simply are. We don't need to form them. You can just cross that one off your to-do list as Heather Hine said in her podcast recently on the Dark Horse podcast. She said you can just cross that off your to-do list because you don't need to form these identities. You don't need to mold them and shape them and express them and, uh, you know, deeply understand them. They simply are, right? They simply are. And so that's just, first of all, is looking at the fact that these are, you know, luck of the draw or inborn, uh, simple circumstance, right? Like, I don't think any of us need to obsess over the year that we were born in. We have no control over that. And sure, of course it impacts us. Of course, it's going to impact everything about our life, the year that we were born in. That matters tremendously. That's always going to be how we measure our age. That's always going to be the time period that we live in, the context that we live in. But are we? do we need to constantly talk about, oh, I was born in, you know, 1991. I was born in 1986. I was born in 2011. Okay, you were just born then, whatever. Like, yeah, that matters. There's a certain camaraderie with other people who were born in that year, but but that's really not the most interesting thing about you at all and never will be. It's just a fact. It's just the way you were born. And I would like our children to start to see themselves that way. The fact of their religion, the fact of their ethnicity, the fact of their skin color, of their sex, of their sexuality, uh, of their height, of their age, um, of their family circumstances, of the genes, uh, the language that they speak, the nationality. I really just think we should start to see these things as just things about us, just, in, you know, interesting tidbits of information, but not something they need to talk about and express and, uh, you know, wear as some kind of badge of honor all the time, you know, as if this is what makes them who they are. This is who I am. Because yeah, it is just who you are. It is just the fact of who you are. And there's nothing really special about that. Everybody has these. Everybody has these markers. Everybody was born in a particular year to a particular time, place, body, family, etc. And so we can all be really curious and interested about those facts about each other. But uh, uh, what I kind of am pushing back against is the idea of making these things special and meaningful. I really push back against the idea of making anything much special about us. Like, I don't think parents should be making their kids feel special. That's a big parenting trend over the last couple of decades. Make them feel special. Give them special time, right? Give them special love. Make it a special day. I, I don't know. I think that's a lot of hype and a lot of pressure and a lot of room for inflated egos and then deflated egos and depression and disappointment when they discover that they're not special, they're just another person. And we're all special and we're all not special in kind of equal measure. Like if you do something special, if you achieve something special, maybe, but we're all worthy. We're all just worthy individuals. You know, our lives are worthy. Our lives are valuable. You know, we are valuable as people just by the fact that we're human and making our children feel like they are particularly special or above and beyond other people, or they have some special status over other people because of just, uh, particularly because of inborn traits, I think sets them up for tremendous suffering in their lives. Hey, we'll be right back to the show, but real quick, I need to ask you, do you want to know how I kept my day job, started a side hustle and built my business from scratch while birthing, feeding, raising and schooling my five children at home? Well, there are many things that go into it, but the key that made the most difference by far is that my children play independently for hours at a time. No, they are not unicorn children. There's nothing special about them, although they are special to me. All children are designed to play independently for hours a day. 
Yeah, even yours. But in our culture, play has been stolen, which is tragic because play is so good for kids and also such a breather for us adults. If your child is clinging, reliant on screens or on you for entertainment, you need to check out my new free masterclass, how to transform your home into a play-inducing haven. In it, I will break down how to get your child playing independently with the play zones that every child needs. Go to reclaimplay.com forward slash haven. Okay, back to the show. The next thing I want to say about identity is that the focus on identity has pretty awful mental health outcomes, right? This is when we start to become self-centered, obsessed with ourselves, uh, narcissistic, delusioned, and I've already discussed the rise in narcissism in our young people today. It's it's a problem. And it's a problem not just because it's unseemly and unpleasant and none of us like to encounter narcissists. It's not it's not fun. Um, but it's also a problem because it really leads to bad outcomes for them. They can't have meaningful relationships. Uh, they can't move forward meaningly, meaningfully in their life. They become really disillusioned and obsessed. And also, it kind of robs them and us of all the things they could achieve if they were outwardly focused, if they were focused on doing good in the world, on you know contributing somehow right? Because their focus is kind of stolen away into a, a navel gazing, into a self-centeredness, um, they are then not focusing that energy on how they can really, you know, put their brain power, their mind power, their heart power towards solutions for the world, uh, towards growing and expanding and, and building something meaningful. And so focusing on your identity, I think the mechanics, the tech, the technical reason it has awful mental health outcomes is because none of us do very well under severe scrutiny. And none of us are perfect. All of us are flawed. All of us make mistakes. All of us have a lot of growing and, and uh, healing and uh, developing to do. And if our obsession is with ourself and uh, how other people perceive us and what other people say to us and the looks that they give us and whether or not they respect our self-identity, our pronouns, our preferences, whether or not they celebrate us when we walk into a room, whether or not they platform us or follow us or like what we have to say, or whatever, however it's, it's expressing itself in your case or in your child's case. or um, When we are focused on that, we are setting ourselves up for tremendous disappointment and a shallow sense of of meaninglessness, right? Because I think we all have that kind of healthy narcissism, like, okay, I, I want to do well, I want to be healthy, I want to have pleasure in my life, of course. But beyond meeting our basic needs, you know, shelter, food, love, care, health, that kind of thing, we actually achieve mental strength through facing challenges and overcoming them not through being, you know, pacified and soothed and protected and bubble wrapped and safe spaced, um, not by other people tiptoeing around us like they're walking on eggshells, not by other people crowning us and, you know, just accepting everything we have at, at face value. We strengthen ourselves through challenge, through adversity, uh, through debate, through conflict, through overcoming our hypersensitivities, through desensitizing ourselves, through depersonalization. I mean, when you look at the list of cognitive biases and fallacies, this is the type of thing you'll see there. One of them is personalization. Taking things personally is a cognitive fallacy because it's not all about you. And when you take things personally and you think it's all about me, 
and you think everything anyone said is about me or is a reflection on me or they should be thinking about me or they should be letting me talk or they should be um, affirming me in whatever way I'm, I'm talking about, that's actually a cognitive fallacy that leads to my cognitive demise. It leads to my disappointment when the world obviously is not going to work that way, right? Uh, when I'm obviously looking at the world through skewed glasses, it also leads to me being hypersensitive and taking offense and, and being uncomfortable all the time instead of learning to be strong, instead of learning to, you know, be accepting and be understanding of others and their focus on themselves. But even more than that, I, if I'm obsessed with myself and, and my identity and being affirmed in it and being celebrated in it, then what's going to happen is that I'm not going to be focused on ways I can give. I'm not going to put myself to one side for a minute and give to others. And that's actually the place where we receive tremendous self-love for real. We earn a sense of pride in ourselves, a sense of just satisfaction or, or joy or meaning in how we're living our lives when we give to others, when we are of service, when we're useful. I think that is that is a tremendously deep human need is actually to be needed by others, to be relied on by others. In some ways, to just take up responsibility and show up for a project, for other people, for a job, for a family, for a partner, for a parent. When we do that, that's where we find meaning. That's where we find tremendous sense of strength and resolve and where our life starts to feel worth living. The truth is that if we are living just for ourselves and our identities, then very quickly we're going to teeter on the brink of despair. This is why we see the high suicidality and suicidal ideation and self-harm, right? Cutting and going through procedures that harm ourselves and going through uh, binging behavior and that kind of thing is because we're inwardly focused and that's depressing. It's depressing to focus on ourselves. The opposite of depressing is when we give to others, when we have a purpose, when we have something to live for, when we have someone to serve, to help, to, to show up for, to guide, to mentor, to teach, to solve a problem, when we feel useful in the world, when we feel like, yeah, there's a purpose to my life. And that's what I want to really drive to is the, the opposite focus, taking away the focus on identity and moving towards the focus on purpose. Stop asking kids, who are you? Go on a journey of self-discovery. Understand yourself. Stop asking kids how they identify, how they want to be referred to, how they want the world to think of them. Stop telling kids that that's a good idea to focus on themselves and on how everybody else should think of them as though they are the focus, the thing, right? The project of their own lifetime. Let's start asking kids, what problems do you want to solve? Who do you want to help? How do you think you can be useful? How do you think you can contribute? What do you have to give? Who is in more dire need than you? What is a problem that you see that you think you could somehow be part of the solution for? How do you want to serve? Who do you want to help? It's kind of like that situation where you take away the worship of a higher, you know, a higher reason, a higher force, a higher being, right? Like, like God, like religion, when you take that away, when there's nothing to worship that's bigger than you, when you say, 
No, you don't need to respect your elders, right? You don't need to respect someone that's bigger than you. And um, what happens is that we get into self-worship. And that if that's not a form of idolatry, I don't know what is, right? It's this selfhood, self-crowning, like I'm the king. I'm the king of my world. I'm the only thing that matters. And when you worship yourself, it's really depressing because you know you're going to die one day. You know that you're a mere mortal. You know yourself from the inside out and you know you're not perfect. You know you're not a god. You know that you're not someone to be worshipped. And yet here you are worshipping yourself. And so it becomes this kind of loop of despair. When you find something bigger than yourself, something outside yourself, and it doesn't have to be religion, although it could be, um, it could also be you know, giving, altruism, volunteering, working, learning, uh, working towards some kind of project, towards some kind of goal, being part of a business that's being built or, uh, you know, writing, creating, building in some way, right? What is the purpose of my life? Um, That's when we start to feel alive. That's when we start to feel less inhibited, right? Less worried about what we look like, what we perceive, uh, what others perceive us as, uh, you know, what our preferences are, Uh, what our inborn traits are, our birth circumstance just kind of becomes, okay, that's just a fact about me. That's just who I am. But now let's get to work. Now let's roll up our sleeves and do something. What can I do with what I've been given? What can I do with my birth circumstance? Okay, so I was born in this place, time, family, body. Great. Okay, I've got my starting off point. I've got the cards that I've been dealt. Now, how am I going to play them? So instead of just obsessing over the cards, right? And like, being fascinated about how amazing my cards are or shuffling the cards the whole time and keep trying to change them, play the cards. Play the cards you've been dealt. Do something with it. You know, if life is so short and so precious, now's the time to say, you know, whatever, however I was born, whatever I'm, you know, whatever body I'm in, whatever time, place, nationality I'm in, now I'm going to do something with it. When we focus on our identity, it's entirely subjective, right? There's no really objective truth. I mean, of course, there are objective truths. You are born at a certain time and place and sex and and nationality, etc. That's all objective truth. That's all immutable. Um, But then when we start to identify as, when we start to say, no, my entire identity is that I'm a swimmer or that I'm, you know, a a woman or whatever it is, um, that becomes really subjective and it leads to this feeling of being ungrounded. Kind of like, I'm confused uh, because I've built my whole construct of who I am around these markers uh, that may or may not be affirmed by other people, that may or may not remain, right? Like, oh, what happens when I'm not a swimmer anymore? Uh, th- those, are, those are real questions and they lead to uh, body dysphorias, body dysmorphias, uh, a sense of detachment from reality, from my body, from my place that I live and the people that I live with and the values that I've been brought up in and the, the context of my life, um, I think we become just very, very detached from reality. And if instead we focus on purpose, right? Okay, what can I do? Uh, there is that liberation and that um, exhilaration of being productive, of being helpful, of doing something meaningful with our time. That's why I think children need, maybe it's hobbies, Right but maybe it's hobbies where they're, you know, progressively, gradually learning more skills, mastering, right? A sense of mastery, a sense of overcoming. I think if you look at your children's lives and you think about, okay, 
you know, who they are, whatever. Yeah, they are who they are. Now let's put that to one side. Okay, now what can they do? What can they learn? How can they grow? Oh, you're going to master bike riding. Wow, you know, it was really hard for you. You were wobbly at the beginning and you kept falling, but then you got back on the bike and you kept riding and now you're stronger and now you ride fast and, and confidently and, and straight. And that's so cool, right? Here's, here's a purpose that you set for yourself and a goal that you met and you were able to overcome, right? We want to strengthen that sense of overcoming. We want to strengthen that sense of what am I doing with my time that's purposeful? So if you see your kid just lying around the house doing nothing, I'm not talking about like the productivity police, like, oh, do something or I'll, I'll give you something to do. And, you know, but yeah, in a way, time is really precious. And if they have the luxury and the privilege of just sitting around, let's think about something they could do with that time. How about you're going to learn a new skill? How about you're going to help out around the house? How about you're going to go knock on a friend's door? Let's look at ways of using our time in a way that's meaningful. In my opinion, there's very little meaning to be found in just identity markers, but there is a lot of meaning to be found in setting a purpose in understanding a purpose and understanding what we want to bring to the table in understanding what we can contribute to this world and understanding what kind of people we want to be. In other words, take all those identity markers and I'll do something with it. Are you going to live a life that's valuable, that's value-based, that's meaningful, that has integrity? Are you going to be a great friend, a great parent, a great child to your parents? Are you going to be a contributing member of society? Are you going to be creative? Are you going to be intellectual? Are you going to learn new things? Are you going to teach new things? Are you going to be someone strong, someone other people can lean on in times of crisis? Are you going to be someone who can fix things, who can solve things, someone who can improve things, someone who can create things like amazing experiences, bond people together. What are you going to bring to the table? I think childhood is about developing those skills and that way of thinking about the world. Like, okay, I have this amazing time that's protected because I'm a child, so I don't have to support myself financially. Um, you know, that's amazing. So I get this time to learn skills, to develop my strengths, to practice overcoming adversity, to practice being a good friend, being a good neighbor. Um, you know, really mastering a few things so that I can maybe play guitar at events or maybe I'm really good at writing beautiful notes and people love my calligraphy. Or my, what can I bring to the table? Can I learn recipes to share? Can I uh, be excellent at something? Can I develop true mastery? Can I develop grit and stick to itness? Can I put myself to one side and learn to give to others, learn thoughtfulness, learn, uh, you know, to really create meaningful relationships where there's reciprocity. Help your child focus not on themselves, not on their bodies, not on their brand, not on how they're perceived by others, not on what others say about them, not on how many likes or clicks or views they get on a social media platform. In fact, just help them to opt out of that rat race altogether and instead to focus on who am I, not in terms of how I was born or how I identify, but who am I in terms of what do I have to give? What purpose am I here on in life for? What is meaningful? That's a, that's a question you could really, you know, crack your head over, over for a long time yet to come. What is meaningful? What creates meaning? What creates meaning? We have to think about that with our kids. How are you going to lead a meaningful life? How are you going to set yourself up so that you're not, you know, dependent on other people, so that you have independence, so that you're not hungry on the street, so that you are able to provide for yourself and for your family a really 
comfortable, healthy, amazing lifestyle. But then beyond that, how are you going to bring meaning to your life? What are you going to do that matters? What are you going to do that affects others, that lasts, that is worthwhile, that is profound, that is deep, that is important? How are you going to live a life that is worth the the life that you're living, that is worth the time here, that is worth all the effort and investment that you're going to put into it? And how are you going to live a life that's going to bring you true joy, not just fleeting highs, but real joy because you feel like, yeah, 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 I'm here. I'm doing the thing. I'm doing life and it, and it's good and it's meaningful and it matters. And it's, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that deeper connection. I'm not just fleeting happiness, but, but meaningful joy, a purpose. I think that's a much better, those are much better questions that should be asked in our school. Those are much better questions that should be asked in our homes. I think we should move away from making kids feel special and amazing and love themselves and be proud of themselves and celebrate themselves and shout out for them from the rooftops and just, you know, put themselves on display and uh, have, have an audience and brand themselves. And that's all happening through social media in a massive way, but it's also happening in the schools and it's also happening in homes. And then we need to go to take a, take a step back from that and say, okay, 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 you're great. So is everybody else. Now, what are you going to do with all this greatness that you have? How are you going to make it truly great, truly worthwhile, truly meaningful? What are you going to bring to the table? What do you have to give? How is this helping others? That's a really good question to ask. All right, with that, I invite you to keep on living that high fam life. If this conversation irked you, if it confronted you somehow, if it brought up resistance, cool. That's my goal. I want to bring meaningful conversations here. So use this to have a conversation with your loved ones, with your children, with yourself around what should we be asking our children? What should we be focusing on? What's going to lead to the best outcomes and the most meaningful life in the future? And the best way to support this podcast is by leaving a review. So wherever you're listening, please just leave us a review. I would love to hear your thoughts and I'll see you next time.